Humans have spent thousands of years staring up into space, endeavouring to answer the question, what's out there? But of all the ways we've tried to find out, sending rockets and satellites, people and even music, what have we found? And perhaps more importantly, what are we trying to say? Hello and welcome to the Hook Poke Pod, the show where we explore these strange and unusual. Really? We're just two idiots poking things we don't understand. So join us as we dare to ask the questions that nobody wants answered, such as, so you want to live in space? What should you be worried about? What happened to all of NASA's spacesuits? And when humanity sends out samples of itself, why do we send out art? I'm Erica. And I'm Emily. And let's look at the way humans are out of this world. <laughs> oh my god. That's stupid. <laughs> I think it was an obvious one. <laughs> talking about space i know it's been on our list for a really long time we mentioned it in the very first episode we mentioned we would come back to the idea oh of my space. gosh and here we are last episode of the second series later yeah we finally made it wow 20 episodes i know that deserves a celebration <laughs> a celebration of a very random episode about things we found out about, about space. space. <laughs> we have tried to kind of consolidate it a little bit because obviously space is a big topic. It's a big thing. And we're looking kind of at the human elements of space. Yes. So the things we have done, the things we have uh, yeah. sent out, how it impacts us directly. Yeah. And we'll save kind of the existential horrors of space for another episode. <laughs> <laughs> that is an existential episode. Oh, yeah. I'm going to really struggle That's with that. That's our sub podcast about existentialism. <laughs> I mean, I, and, and on a kind of a flip side, I might cry in this one just as a heads up. Yeah. Because um, some of the concepts, I just find them really like, I don't know what it is. It gets to me. It makes me cry. Yeah. And you've had red wine. I've so. had red wine, and it's, it's, we'll see how we go. <laughs> it's overwhelming. So I'd like to start us off by saying that space tourism, I found out. Well, I can. I think we know how expensive, vaguely, it is. Millions and millions yeah. and billions of dollars. It's crazy how expensive it is. I mean, it's still, it's still kind of, it's still pretty much sci-fi, isn't it? I feel like we're right on the edge of it being reality. Well, yes. So it's an industry that is predicted to grow to two point seven trillion dollars in thirty years. Currently, a ticket Jesus to space Christ. costs fifty-five million dollars. Fuck. They're aiming to get that to around $100,000 within a decade. So they just need to shave off like, what, four and a half million? Yeah. Easy. Yeah. <laughs> but there's, so there's two types of space travel for the average Joe. Oh, yeah, your average <laughs> splashing around a couple hundred thousand grand. Yeah. Yeah. There's sub-audible space travel, okay. which is where you don't go into full orbit and the distinction between it is that you're kind of going up and down like, in a spacecraft. Wait, so... Not going out of full orbit, does that mean? So you're staying in within the orbit of the Earth, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're within the orbit orbit of the Earth. So it's yeah, suborbital. Sub <laughs> kind of self-explanatory, I suppose. Yeah. And then full orbital is astronomically pun intended, expensive. <laughs> <laughs> like fuck, that's such a good fucking pun. I should have from the beginning. Goddamn. It is like hundreds of millions of dollars yeah. to go into full orbit and it's possible to do because people have done it they've gone and visited this the international space station the iss yeah like up in space and it has cost an arm and a leg 
but people have done it. I don't know how people get rich enough to do that. That's a separate discussion. That's a, I mean, <laughs> that's a depressing separate discussion. <laughs> I, I mean, and this is like, look, not to start on a bleak note, but space travel is inherently exciting and cool and an important, noble mm. goal. And that's why sort of institutions like NASA have been historically so important and, yeah. and celebrated. They should yeah. be. The idea of privatized space travel is so like mind-bogglingly yeah. horrendous and the fact yeah. that it's a reality now in our lives is fucking depressing me it's going to be reality in the next well they're aiming yet yeah, for the next decade for it to be a reality for people to be able to buy tickets to space jesus but only i don't know what percentage of people would be able to afford to do that and you know i guess in a hundred years maybe they're aiming that it will be forty thousand dollars instead <laughs> <laughs> I, I just oh. And, and I feel like it really, not to get, like, political, I feel like it really tarnishes the essence of what space exploration is. Yes. What? So I guess it kind of bleeds into this. It's like if we're willing to spend so much money, why do we care so much about going outside our bounds of Earth? And this is kind of what I've looked into. So for, for this episode, I've looked into humanity's long history of searching for mm. life out there mm. and, and we've done a few episodes on aliens and i'm not talking about ufos and little gray men i'm talking about the the historical times that we have tried to reach out into the cosmos and, and gone hey we're here is anyone out there listening and it kind of the first recorded instance of of this being a, a thought process i guess goes back to 1820 mm. with this mathematician named um an, an astronomer named carl friedrich gauss Mm-hmm. And his plan was he wanted to draw Pythagoras's theorems, like the squares and the triangles yes. and, and the shapes. <laughs> he wanted to draw Pythagoras's theorem on the sort of Siberian tundra. And he wanted to draw them out in lines 10 miles wide, sort of made out of strips of, of pine forest. Essentially make a enormous Pythagoras theorem, the idea being that you could see it from the moon. And at that time in history, in 1820, we were thought, yeah, aliens are probably on the moon. Wow. You know, we obviously didn't know about space travel. We didn't have ability yeah. to look out into space. And so the f- first planetary bodies you can see, yeah. like the moon, of course, I feel like it's so natural to think like, mm. yeah, other people have got to be out there. That's true. But also, just side note, what are a bunch of triangles going to mean to aliens if they were well, living no, on the this moon? Is, this is what I find fascinating. It's this idea that throughout history, at least from kind of the early 1800s, we've been conscious of space when we've been conscious of this idea that, well, if we exist here, surely something else mm. exists out there. We can't be alone. Like just statistically, it, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And, and so the question then is, well, if something is out there, how do we message them? Yeah. Because they would have evolved with such untangibly yeah. different systems and languages yeah. and and we would have no way mm. to sort of communicate what we wanted to communicate. So yeah. how do you do that? And then this is where maths comes into it. Yeah. The idea is it's a universal truth. Yeah. Right? Like these are systems and formulas that translate into every language mm. and that should therefore translate interdimensionally, like yeah. across planets, across galaxies so pythagoras's theorem which is a very base i mean not that i fully understand it but it's a very simple basic mathematical concept right that forms a lot of our mathematical understanding right is a universal truth mm. that's not something humans have invented maths is yeah is a fact like it's it's observable and it is always the same yes 
I'm not a mathematician. <laughs> if I'm getting this wrong, I, yeah. <laughs> so the idea that the first message we would send to aliens would be a mathematical equation makes sense. Hmm. We couldn't send words. They wouldn't yeah. understand language. We couldn't send a drawing of a lion because they're not going to know what the fuck a lion is. Mm. We can't. Yeah. So the first idea was to send maths, this universal symbol of intelligent life. Interesting. Which I, I, I find really like, yeah, what, what would you possibly say? So then also in sort of 1819, you have this other methods, this idea of reaching out into space and talking to aliens. This guy named Joseph Johann von Littrow, who was an Austrian astronomer with a fantastic mm-hmm. name. I um, mean, he <laughs> wanted to use the Sahara Desert and his idea would be to like dig giant trenches, fill mm-hmm. them with water and then kerosene on top of the water mm-hmm. and just light them up. <laughs> And it would be these enormous flaming messages in the desert that you would be able to theoretically observe from space. From space, Um, And the idea with that one was that because it was in the desert, you could kind of write different things every day. Yeah. And and just send a whole bunch of different messages out. I guess also the next question with that is what are they hoping to achieve? Because, like, what if an alien race is somehow driving by Mm -hmm. It through our solar system and it's like, oh, wow, look, a big flaming message. Let's go. This cl- These people clearly want to be taken over. Let's go populate their planet. Like, can you imagine? I mean, I mean true, I guess. And Misinterpretation. I kind of- <laughs> but I think that's what is so striking about, to me, what I find really, just we are searching constantly yeah. for life outside of us. Yeah. And I think the idea of, well, what if it was hostile? What if it was bad? What if it was deadly? Mm. I, I think that's secondary to the fact that, w- like, mm. it can't just be us. Like, yeah. That's such a universal feeling. Yeah. And the fact that humankind throughout our history yeah. have worked together to be like, something else has to be out there. Yeah. And and we keep trying to find it and we keep trying to figure it mm. out. And we keep trying to say, well, like, and these messages that we continually want to send are mm. always of they're never, you know, aggressive or violent. It's no. Always, it's always peace or it's, this is who we are or it's just a message, just an it's acknowledgement true. that there is something else it's out true. there. Can you imagine if there was just like a recording, a repeat going, do not come to planet Earth or we will destroy <laughs> you. <laughs> do not. Which might be the reality, but but at least, I, I mean, yeah, I'm not here too like, I don't want to get like serious on this podcast, but <laughs> I feel like especially Mm. nowadays uh, and always i guess through history there's this like impending feeling that humanity sucks a lot yeah there's a lot of evidence for that yeah (laughs) people can be really cruel to each other and really Mm. harsh and horrible and so i find it really fascinating and touching that when it comes to Mm. these universal goals like talking to aliens Mm. um or going out into space That I don't know, that is put aside. Like our instinct is always to be friendly. Yeah. Our instinct is always to say, hey, we're here to, yeah. like, welcome. This is us. We want to meet you. Yeah. The fact that that is our first universal instinct yeah. as a planet, I think speaks volumes for yeah. the innateness of humans. And mm. I just, I think there's so much to that. And, yeah. and I don't know if it's realistic. I don't think we're ever going to maybe find contact with aliens. No. But it's... I don't know. It's so nice. (laughs) It is nice because there are probably planets and species out there somewhere in the universe that are like, all we have to do is just make sure no one knows we're here. (laughs) And we're just like, let's just put out calls. Because I think, don't they, I mean, you might have researched this, but don't they, um, like from Earth, we emit radio signals to try and see 
constantly. So we're, we are sending ourselves we're out sending there. We're sending out so much stuff. And, and, and that's what I'm saying. This stuff was all from the 1800s before we had yeah. radios yeah, 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 and yeah. these solid ways of contacting people. But but we kept trying. Mm. Nikola Tesla even got involved. Mm-hmm. He thought his Tesla coil might have a way to send out stuff. Um, This particularly sort of wacky idea from 1860 came by this uh, French inventor named uh, Charles Cross. And his idea was we just get a giant mirror. He was convinced there were Martians. Yeah. People on Mars. And his idea was if we just build a huge mirror, we can reflect the sun and, like, a child playing with a magnifying glass, like, we can burn a message into the surface of Mars for Uh the aliens (laughs) Which uh-huh. are, and he took that to the French government and asked for funding, and, and naturally they rejected it. <laughs> well, that's um, good. <laughs> it's such a crazy idea. Like, why you think possibly a that would be feasible, and b that would be a good way to send a message? Like, if aliens found Earth and then just like scorched like half of the like yep. northern hemisphere with a message being like, "Hey, you know, I I don't hi." Really- I, th- I think he was a bit misguided. <laughs> I think that message could be easily misinterpreted as this is a threat and we're going to get yeah, you, scorching burnt, your planet. We've, we've burned, like, half your planet yeah. <laughs> in an attempt to say I. In an attempt so, to say um, I. It's yeah. a bit misguided. It's a little misguided. <laughs> yeah. Come up with some better ideas. <laughs> exactly. But there they were some interesting ideas. And then, so in the 1900s, mm-hmm. there was something called the Guzman Prize, mm-hmm. um, which was pioneered by this woman named Clara Gugout, I think. Mm-hmm. And so she basically said, I will give 100,000 francs to any, the first person to contact another planet and receive a response. Wow. <laughs> but a fun stipulation to this, it can't be Mars. <laughs> she thought too easy. <laughs> <laughs> Right. She's in the 1900s. We're going to make contact with Mars any day now, so it's going to be another mm, planet. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and obviously this prize was never awarded because we haven't made contacts no. with. But um, they kind of five years later in 1905, they kind of said, well, we'll give the prize to whoever makes the most sort of the biggest breakthrough in yeah. ast- astronomy. Yeah. And it was given to the Apollo 11 Astronauts. Oh wow! It was it was kept up in 1969. That promise was saved for 69 years and given to the Apollo 11 crew. A hundred thousand francs. Wow! I didn't I, know I that. I didn't know that either. Isn't that lovely? Wouldn't they have already been paid like oh, a lot? They're fine. <laughs> like they didn't need the money, but it's just wow. I don't know. This idea, this hundred, this a hundred or sixty-nine year old promise that this yeah. woman left in her will. Yeah, was carried um, through. Was carried yeah. through. And and we recognize, hey, we're probably not gonna make contact with aliens anytime soon, but this was a really significant event and I just find this also Respect. touching. <laughs> yeah, that is touching. Are you starting to tear I up just, now? I just, <laughs> I just I don't know what it is. It's just like the wine or it's the, just the idea that like humans Hmm. have been so human yeah. forever. And I just, ugh. I think it gets to the core of who we are. That's probably I really think why. It does. Yeah. It is existential in a way. Maybe this is your response to the existential. It's like, yeah, it's like interest. It's like, ex- there's probably a word for this. It's like existential, but like introspective. It's like not looking at the universe, but it's looking, looking at like what makes up us. Yes. Like how do we perceive ourselves mm-hmm. and what, what image are we projecting out? Yes. Of humanity in it. It's such mm. a welcoming, lovely image. It is. And I think they sent out 
albums and stuff. Like they put music on. What are, do you know? What the modern? I do. Yes. Yeah. And then this is interesting. Obviously, once we sort of head into the the modern era, yeah, the messages out into space get more frequent and mm. more varied, and there's a whole bunch of stuff. At this point, essentially anyone can send a message out into space. Yeah. Like, that's kind of how good our radio tech has gotten. But this idea of sending a universal message out into space, mm. that was realized, the first actual case of that, mm. uh, starts in 1974 with mm. the Arecibo message. Okay, yeah. This was a huge satellite dish. Mm. The kind of first time we had the technology where we could send a really long distance radio signal. Yeah. Uh, and it was sent from Puerto Rico to a cluster of stars 25,000 light years away. That's a long time away. It's a huge amount of time. And I looked it up and it's like the calculations are immensely complicated. Yeah. But essentially for every one light year, it's Mm -hmm. the equivalent to about 35,000 Earth years. Yeah. So (laughs) I can't do the math. (laughs) 25,000 light years is, is a long way. Yeah. But what we decided to send, it had to be simple. It had to be translatable mm. through radio waves. So it had to be in in kind of more binary code, mm. essentially. Yeah. And we created a binary picture. And you can look it up. Right. Um, we'll post it on the website. It's a binary figure of a stick figure, mm-hmm. a double helix DNA strand, and a carbon atom, and a mm. telescope. Huh. They're the four images that we said, like, this is us. This is what we're sending out. Isn't that cool? I would have wow. given. I would give anything to be on the team that gets to decide. Yeah. How do we send this message out? And they're kind of beautiful. Like that message mm. is still going. Yeah. It's not even one light year out. Yet. Yeah. That message is still is going to be going until probably the end of the Earth, the end of humanity, the end yeah. of us. I know. And the kind of beauty, ironic beauty of mm. it is that by the time it actually reaches the star system, we sent it to mm. the star system's not going to be there. <laughs> Like because it's oh it's, dear, so it's it's I I can't put into we're words a bit late <laughs> how but we have no other way to send a message no. out that far and it's just it's just this and obviously these actual times we've sent messages out obviously it's a lot more about checking that we have the yeah. capacity to do it people yeah. aren't realistically expecting responses or to reach alien life yeah but just I, just the fact that we're so hopeful about it yeah. Ah, I don't know. It makes me so excited. But yes, anyway, your question was what is the most recent message we've sent out? Mm, yes. I mean, it gets, once again, it gets kind of depressing. Oh. <laughs> the further into late-stage capitalism we get. Mm. Doritos sent out, like, an ad for Doritos, I think, back in, like, Oh, no. 20, oh, yeah, just fucking so depressing. Are they start, so um, they're going to start a shop in the sky in in the universe, apparently, I Doritos. I it's a publicity stunt, but really, sure, I, don't, I don't want aliens to know about Doritos. Like, it's the first thing. I don't want an alien to get an ad. <laughs> Isn't that just making you like, that's making me so fucking mad and depressed simultaneously. Commercialism out in space. What are they going to do? Eat Doritos in space? It will, the vacuum will probably just like explode the Dorito. It's going to be useless. <laughs> if the first thing an alien gets is a fucking Dorito commercial, I will, <laughs> I will just, just. Also, very cruel because by the time the message about the Doritos gets there, we're probably not even going to exist anymore. So, therefore, they're they're not going to be be able to get the Doritos. Unless there's a packet of Doritos on one of the, like, the ships that are out. (laughs) (laughs) Look, as far as I know, we haven't sent Doritos out into space. But in terms of, yes, in terms of the official, and I'm saying Mm -hmm. NASA official space station certified records of Earth. Yeah. 
the most recent one, and I thought we'd kind of updated it since, but the most recent mm. one was actually the 1977. Oh, okay. Voyager yeah. 1 and 2. And the reason for this um, is just because it takes such a yeah. long time for these these things to go. Even to get out of our solar system, it exactly. takes a really long time. So yeah. there's really no point in sending a new one out every 10 years because yeah. the one from the 70s is going to yeah. be going forever. Yeah. So it was the 1977 Voyager 1 and 2 were launched mm. um, and these were sent out and pretty much the goal was, was for them to just go forever yeah, until they get intercepted by something Yeah, is the hope. And what we included on it in terms of a reflection of who sent it mm. are these things called the golden records. Yeah. So there's one on each Voyager. They're the same mm-hmm. record though. And the contents of the records were selected by a, a committee in NASA the idea was to assemble 115 images, sounds, uh, and music together mm. that represents us. Yeah. So 115 items, essentially. Yeah. And so what they picked and what they chose is so interesting to me. They included mm. animal sounds. Yeah. They included the things like uh, images of, the, of waves yeah. and trees and buildings. They added, uh, like I think, 55 different ways to say hello mm. in different yes. languages. Yeah. But some, I think what's the most special to me is that they sent music. Yeah. Um, yeah. They sent, I love that. I love that so much. And, and they the music they sent was was fascinating. They got a bunch of different music from different countries. Mm. Um, and this is all available on YouTube as well. I will post the link on our oh, website. Yes. But you can go and listen to the golden record, this snapshot of, of what humanity is. That's For so aliens, cool. the first thing they see of, of yeah. life is this. And it's there are some gorgeous tracks on it, like there's – Johnny Be Good is yeah. on it. And, but there's also these two gorgeous Australian songs, mm-hmm. Aboriginal Australian songs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And you can look up the the, the songs tell a story and these gorgeous, like, mm. and it's it's the whole track I think is, it just, I don't know. <laughs> I don't have words for it. I just find it so remarkable that yeah. we have this mm. opportunity to send a little capsule into space yeah. and it will probably never reach anyone. But we still no. spend millions and millions of dollars to do it and what do we put in it music yeah like i love that but like how and we have no way of knowing whether if it reaches anyone whether they would have technology to even understand like what did we send a cd i don't know like they'd be like (laughs) what's this vinyl a vinyl (laughs) like i feel like okay i just thought of this if we suddenly if if a like a giant I don't know, little capsule, that mm-hmm. alien capsule, like, entered the atmosphere, I feel like it would get shot down. <laughs> like, <laughs> even if it had little bits of music and, like, goo ba doo boo like, alien <laughs> sounds. Alien tracks. <laughs> alien tracks. <laughs> I feel like the world would go nuts. Like, how – it's interesting. What would happen here if that happened here, I wonder? And, I mean, that's uh, – yeah, it's and it's impossible to speculate because we just don't know. And, obviously, if we ever did receive anything, it would be so foreign and it would mm. – we'd ne- But at the same time, we're kind of doing that with our own history. Yeah. And, and you look at some of the archaeological kind of processes we go through. Mm. You know, we find – I think there's this incredible thing where they found a pot from, like, yeah. BC yeah. know, thousands of years ago. And in the, the exact right way this pot had been made, it had picked up like an audio recording. 
Because the lines of like this, yeah, yeah, I, I, I saw this on documentary years ago, so I'm oh probably just a fact checker. But like <laughs> the lines of like this one line in which the the Potter had touched it had accidentally, basically, accidentally made a vinyl record for like a, like a few seconds. That's so cool. And so we have this recording from thousands of years ago, and you know, it obviously took us. Yeah, thousands of years to find That's that, true. have the technology to be able to decode it. Yeah, and here we are trying to get these glimpses of not even alien life, our mm. life of yeah. humans. Yeah, and it feel, that feels so foreign and so alien and so distant from us now. Mm. It's almost impossible to comprehend what an actual alien sort of message would look like, or how you'd even begin to decode that. That's true. But the fact that we keep trying, we've been trying for hundreds of years. I like it. We keep trying and we keep sending people out. And we send people out. To space. To space. Because that brings us to the next section, Mm. which um, is a bit less existential and more (laughs) like, oh, I didn't know that. Okay, good. (laughs) Let's take us back down to earth a little bit. Take us back. (laughs) So fun fact is that, I mean, I didn't know this, the International Space Station has been continuously occupied for over 20 years. Okay. Obviously not by the same people. Yes. But it has been continuously occupied. So it has hosted 241 crew and a few wow. tourists from that 19 f- countries. Crazy. Did, do you know when these tourists went? Because I I don't because I knew if I looked it up, you'd just get angry. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. If I was like, it's it's like Dave from like the US it in be, 2014. Be, it's gonna be Dave, like the oil oligarch from 2014. He's a trust fund kid and he's now, like it's gonna it's gonna piss me fuck off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So moving on. <laughs> yes, yes. That accounts for 43% of all the people who have ever travelled in space. Jesus, I didn't know that. I know. So I think, oh, what was the number? Overall, in the entirety of history that we know of, only about, I think it was 570 human beings have travelled in space. I actually thought the number was wow. less than that, I have to say. But, but I guess I, I guess a lot of people forget that. Yeah, because when you think about it, that's from the 60s. So that's yeah. been, what, watch me do maths, 70 years? Yeah. 500 people in 70 years, that's a fair amount. Yeah. It is a fair amount, which is why I find it so interesting that NASA only has four space suits that are flight ready Wait, at the really? moment. Yep. Wait. So, that, like, on purpose? <laughs> is so, that, well, no, probably. Do well, they need help? So, <laughs> <laughs> well, if you've got money to donate to them, I suppose. So, spacesuits back in the 70s cost $20 million each Fuck. to manufacture. That's in the 70s. So, now that's $150 million. Each spacesuit. Oh, my God. Because um, I read this article that was like, think of them in terms of that they're a spacecraft. They're not just something you wear to work. Like, they protect an astronaut from the vacuum of space, from radiation coming from the sun, and it has to protect against fast-traveling particles that are traveling up to 18,000 miles an hour that could get into the suit. They provide oxygen, communications, and everything else that a human needs to survive, and it's all in one little spacecraft. Isn't it just fucked? I'm, you said this wasn't going to be existential, but it, I'm just yeah, having sorry. a moment now where sorry. I'm just like, we did, like, we did that. <laughs> we figured all that we out. We figured that it. out. Yeah, I went through this I'm too. I'm not okay. <laughs> okay, yeah, this is existential. Apologies. False alarm. <laughs> if you were excited for the existentialism, then it's coming. They only have four flight-ready suits a bunch were destroyed over time obviously there were aircrafts that got burned up and there were some ground 
accidents as well. Mm -hmm. So they got destroyed. And yeah, I just never thought of that where, yeah, they can't just manufacture another one because it costs so much money and so much time to make. Yeah, They can't just do it straight away. So with that in mind, let's say you want to go live in space. You are a multi-billionaire person. You've got a big family and you want to go live in space. You can't take all of them because there's only four space boots, (laughs) space suits. Sorry about that. Um, Poor little Patricia's left behind. (laughs) You have to stay on Earth, you peasant. (laughs) So if you want to live in space, um, there are a few things that you should know about first. I would think so. I would think maybe there's a few things I should know about. (laughs) If you're, you're, you know, another common Joe, not an astronaut, but you're like, hey, I want to go live in a house in space. Look, I wouldn't be surprised if this is a reality. At some point in the next few hundred years, billionaires going and living in space. So, in my research, I found out that out of the millions of things that happen in the universe, astronauts reported that it was hard for them to sleep in the space station because the cosmic rays were disrupting their sleep because they were like light that was like passing through space <laughs> and it was disrupting them so you're not going to be able to sleep Wait, which is a problem no, like do they mean like is it literal light i mean no it's, it's like blinding s- light it's like strobing in space yeah yeah it's like cosmic rays that just come from all over space they come from outside the solar system as well i'm not a scientist it's some kind of matter from the universe oh my god wow, don't even quote okay. me on that <laughs> but these cosmic rays can cause a mirage of other health issues spanning from radiation poisoning, cancer to degenerative diseases. You deal for with astronauts. Yep. Or is this is this long term? This is if you stayed for a while. This is if you decided to like live in space. Okay. I think this that well, even if you went to space, I think anyone who goes to space gets exposed to this. It's a it's a I risk. Mean, there's a lot of radiation up there. Yeah, because sure. we're protected by our atmosphere. Yeah, so like naturally. cosmic rays don't really affect us here because it's like we're on Earth. <laughs> Um, (laughs) the other thing is that you need to know if you want to go live on your own space station you will need to constantly exercise up to 2.5 hours a day in order to not lose (laughs) in order to not lose muscle or bone density because if you lose that you are effed you are not gonna be able to do anything you'll be so weak even if you wanted to come back down to earth like you're so weak you can't well, you yeah. wouldn't be able to use the controls because there's no gravity. That, that, that's gravity, right? Because yeah, I guess I guess we yeah. forget how much energy is expended yes. just sitting up and yeah. walking around and yeah. going to the whatever. Yeah, yeah true. I guess I read that not using it exactly. I read that astronauts who spent an extended amount of time in space when they came back, they had a lot of back issues and they had to get used to being around gravity and they would wow, drop things they had a to lot, hold up their own like body mass. Again. Yes, yes. Yeah. And they would dr- forget and drop things all the time. Okay, question though: If you are staying in space forever mm. in zero gravity, mm. do you need your body mass? Like, do you need it? Well, do you still have to use controls and go to the bathroom and like? Yeah, that's true. Interact with your family and eat food and stuff. <laughs> so you're gonna need to Good like. Point. And food is another thing too. I mean, I don't don't even get me started on that. I don't even know what food you would eat. It's like paste. Yeah, because it just will go everywhere, right? Okay, so let's say you're living in space and you're so rich and you're like, oh, I just want to enjoy space without I just I just want to go feel the breeze on my face. Naturally. Out, out in the vacuum. <laughs> <laughs> don't know if that's gonna be possible for you, but I admire the it optimism. Is, it is not <laughs> It is not possible. Yeah. And do you know what happens to the human body if it's exposed to space? 
Now I've heard it. Like I don't know if this is just from like shitty movies, but do you freeze? Yes. Is it really cold? Do you know how cold space is? Very. It is freezing. It's minus two hundred degrees oh. Celsius. And for those who aren't from like down under, that's, a that's minus four hundred fifty-five degrees Fahrenheit. Sounds worse than Fahrenheit, doesn't it? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's colder. That's cold. That is so. But that's not even the first thing that would happen to you. That's not the first. It's not the first thing. So if you want to shed your protective coil, let's say you're like, I don't need a spacesuit. I'm just gonna. You've got the space crazies. I've, I've got you yeah, know. Strip it I've off. got my natural immunity to yes. space. <laughs> <laughs> my body will protect me. <laughs> well, first off, if you've got any helmets, who needs helmets, right? Who needs? Them? <laughs> <laughs> um, if you've got any air in your lungs, your lungs are immediately going to explode because take a deep breath out before you because <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be your last. <laughs> so your body will swell to twice its size because the oxygen, because it's a vacuum. Your your eyes and your tongue, like the water will evaporate off your body so your eyes will melt off your face. And so you won't be able to see the pretty sun after all. <laughs> you're just going to die. But you're not even dead yet. You're still You going. will then pass out about oh, 90 seconds God. in. <laughs> um, oh, no, 10 seconds in you'll pass out. And after 90 seconds, you will be dead from asphyxiation. Let's say, okay, you've decided to just go for a little space walk. Your body could be floating out in space like that forever. Well, yeah. For millions of years because there's nothing to really decompose your body. Like there's no elements really. Of course, there's no bacteria. It's not going to – yeah, of course. Yeah. So you better hope it's like an Icarus and you just fly into a sun. And <laughs> <laughs> like just, you know, but it's not, it's not a great way to go. It is so cold that you would – Probably after your lungs collapse and you pass out and your eyes melt off your face, you would freeze into a brick, which I have seen in movies as well, yeah, yeah where, like, people freezing, break off yeah. and, like. I also heard that plenty of astronauts have said that space stinks. Like, I've heard this too. Isn't it weird? Yeah. I, I didn't know this. Not in terms of space sucks, like it was the worst thing ever, <laughs> as in it smells. Like yeah. their suits, they would come back, which could be from the, an oxygen process. It's a scientific thing. Don't know. Don't quote me. But apparently a few people described it as like a metallic sensation. It's like welding fumes, burning metal, a distinct odour of ozone. What oh, is yeah, that? We all Walnuts? know what ozone smells like. Okay. Walnuts and brake pads, gunpowder and burnt almond cookie. What a flavour. What an ice cream flavour okay, that would be. This actually sounds like really good. <laughs> Are you kidding? Like welding fumes and smoke and burnt yeah. almonds. Like that sounds yeah. incredible. But they said it's smelly. So you'd have to be dealing with this, you know. So you're going to be stuck inside as pretty as it is to see the stars and to see Earth and to see everything. You'd be basically, uh, you'd have to stay inside forever. Yeah, no, you're taking off that spacesuit, huh? No, you'll need that. Okay, well, then I guess that brings us to the question, would you go, okay, if hypothetically mm. Mars colony happens, they go, mm. we need, you know, 500 volunteers, mm. regular Joes, we want regular Joes to give up their life on Earth and be the first to colonize Mars. Mm. Do you, would you do it? Hell no. No, not at all. No, no. Why not? Because I like Earth and I think that we're just meant to stay here. Maybe that's really conservative of me. I mean, respect to whoever wants no, to I go out and colonize I think it's Mars. Conservative of you. I think it's it's 
But I don't know how I feel about us colonizing other planets. I have a problem with colonization. Obviously, when I say colonizing, I'm not. There's no. There's no life on Mars. Yeah, there's fully no life. We are gonna go inhabit it for the first time. Mm. So let's take away any of that kind of like imperialist, like yeah. We're not invading a species. Yeah. Mm, no, I think I'll just chill here. <laughs> I think... Like, you're not even a little bit tempted? Nah, because that's like a six-month... I mean, forever. I mean, you're there forever. You don't come You'd back. be there forever. Yeah. It's a six-month... It's life. It's life. Yeah. And what if it's terrible? But it doesn't matter. It's... it's like Your you, legacy, I suppose. You're, you're there. Like, you're at the forefront of this new chapter in humanity, like you get to see that and be a part of that and and isn't that worth it? Eh. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think there's plenty to explore here. I mean, true, don't get me wrong, I love my life, but but <laughs> just like I, you, I feel like I, you, I couldn't say no. Really? Okay, so you would I go. I feel like I couldn't say no. I feel like that would be such an insane, I would spend the rest of my life Wow. Thinking about. Yeah. It, it's, and like I understand it probably shit and <laughs> we might all die in 10 years when it explodes, but I I just could, it, I just feel like the, the opportunity <laughs> to see that mm-hmm. and be there and experience mm. something new, really new, like yeah. 100% new, mm-hmm. you got to take it, right? <laughs> like, right? I think you should be at the forefront of this project. I mean, true. I don't have any like scientific <laughs> inklings, though. So I, I don't. They probably want people with a little bit of science. You have background. to go to astronaut school. Is that a thing? Yeah, hundred percent. Astronauts go to astronaut school. Yeah, I don't know anything about astronaut school, but I think you could do it. Thanks. Just remember <laughs> to take your spacesuit. I will not take off the spacesuit. One, one of four spacesuits. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> One of four. Yeah, it's going to be a while. So apparently that was the other thing that I was going to add is that they are developing more spacesuits, but it's just delayed. Good. They're hoping to have more by 2025 apparently. Thank you for listening. Thank you. We'll probably take a little bit of a break. Yes. But we will be back for season three. We will be back with more rambling, more mysteries, more entertainment, hopefully some laughs for you. Fingers crossed. We love it. You love it. We'll be back Shoot us an email. Yes. Keep in the loop. We might check them. (laughs) Oh, that's true. (laughs) That's a strong maybe. (laughs) Strong maybe on checking our emails. But uh, we'll be back. Thank you so much for listening. Catch you later. This has been Series 2 of the Hoke Poke Pod. I'm Emily. And I'm Erica. We'll see you next time. you've reached the end of the episode thank you so much for listening and if you like what you've heard it would be fantastic if you could rate us or leave a review or better yet show us to some of your friends get the word out there about this spooky little podcast if you want to know more about us or this episode you can visit our website thehokepokepod.com.au we post updates links episodes and any references we've mentioned you'll be able to find them right there we'd like to say a huge thank you to Giano Timble for the amazing graphics and art that he's made for the podcast as well as our undying appreciation to Robert P. Kelly our marvellous and ever patient editor we love you Rob and finally if you'd like to contact us you can send us an email at hokepokepod at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you feedback episode suggestions whatever takes your fancy we will be there thank you so much for the support and we'll catch you next time bye bye